You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, um, it happens once in a while. Every once in a while, things like this do happen. I plan on something for a day, and it turns into, uh, you know, maybe we'll do it again tomorrow. And as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, this might be a couple days. So, um, you know, buckle up. It's, It's a good thing, though. Because I do a daily podcast, aside from those days in which I sleep in or just say, I'm not doing it today. But otherwise, daily podcast. And um, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a football game in a long time. So it's not a bad thing when these things happen. But today we're going to pick up where we left off from yesterday. If you haven't listened to that yet, go back and start there. Be a good good place to start. I want to look at potential picks at 30. We're kind of reaching a little bit. Some guys that are probably gone, maybe a couple guys that probably aren't going to be taken at 30, especially when we talk about tight end today, because the only tight end, let me rephrase that, the highest tight end on my aggregate consensus big board is Cole Komet. Cole Komet is ranked 61st. That is to say, maybe we'll have a couple go in the second round. Emphasis on the maybe but at least talk about a tight end today, right? Probably two, I don't know. But we'll just we'll start where we left off, work our way down the line, and um, I'm guessing probably get through offense today? I don't know. Never know how these things go. Maybe we'll just finish the whole dumb thing. You're dumb, all right? You're dumb. Call me dumb. I'm not dumb. This isn't dumb. Who are you talking to? I don't know. But I thank you for joining in. Before we jump into that uh, juicy goodness, Packernet.com. It is a very good place for news and information, talking about aggregate stuff. Packernet.com is just a news aggregator. So you go there and boom, all the news from around the internets in one place. Better yet, it's a little gear icon. You click on it and you can set up your own little news feed. I I don't plug it very often, but uh, let's plug it. There you go. Check it out. Otherwise, make sure you're in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. If you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star review, whether that be on iTunes or Stitcher, I don't care. Just let the people know. This is the last day of the month, so um, one of you beautiful patron people, Patreon patrons, is going to be getting the draft guide. It will not be PFF. We didn't reach our goal, but, you know, maybe next month. But it'll be a good one. 
Alright. If you'd like to jump in on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, or just go to Patreon and search... Well, it was pretty easy to manipulate their search algorithm, so you you pretty much go to Patreon, search NFL Packers, dra- NFL Draft. And unless something changed, I'm going to be pretty much the top option for anything football-related. So, they, you, you'll, uh, you should be able to find me. Anyways, why don't we just go ahead and take a little break. Let's just slow it down, take a newsy, get rested up, and we'll come back and just smash it. Smash it right in that big old buck tooth. You know what I'm talking about. We'll be right back. All right, so as promised, why don't we just carry on with tight end? There's no real official order, but we did wide receivers, so it does seem like the next logical leap. Now, again, I don't think any tight ends go at 30. Um, as I'm looking at this, we've got the earliest that I can see is Cole Komet at 61. The next tight end would be Hunter Bryant at uh, 68. And then after that, you got Adam Troutman at 78. And then Bryson Hopkins, 82. So they're all, you know, 8 to 10-ish spread apart. They're kind of bunched up, but they're all bunched up between, I don't know, late second and late third-ish. So I don't really know where to stop with this. But let's let's start with Cole Komet, because that was in, and by the way, the way that I kind of came to this was I looked at the most recent 27 mock drafts. Why 27? Because that's when I decided I'm tired of doing this. I feel like this is sufficient. Turns out that number was 27. But one mock draft, uh, ill-advised, not apparently very good mock draft, had the Packers taking Cole Komet at 30. No, I'm not on board with that. Um, In general, tight ends going early just doesn't super pan out. Not a huge fan of it especially in a year in which uh, there just are no first-round talent. Tight ends, not a fan. But anyways, tight ends. PFF, by the way, has Cole Komet 99th overall, so congratulations. Um, I had Komet, I don't even know where he was, third or fourth on my list of tight ends. They have, uh, just quickly looking, Bryson Hopkins higher at 87. Adam Troutman is at 92, so he's a little bit higher. See if they have any relatively high possible first-round tight ends, because these are not even close. Hunter Bryant, I think, was my top tight end. They have at 65th. So, again, we're talking back of the second. Anybody else? I don't think so. I guess if you want to put a positive spin on it, it's it's possible the Packers could draft another third-round tight end and still get one of the best tight ends in the draft. It doesn't really... It sounds better than it is, because at the end of the day, it's still a late third-round tight end, and I'm not saying we should even do that. But I'm just trying to make it sound nice. Did it sound nice? I feel like it kind of sounded nice. I don't know. But anyways, Cole Komet, six foot six, two 262 pounds. A lot of people are super excited about Cole Komet and throwing out a bunch of, well, things that should sound like hyperbole. Apparently, they have him ranked seventh. I must have missed some. 99 on the big board, seventh overall. If I click on this, it takes me to an article, so maybe it doesn't quite jive with their big board, but here's the order that they have. Number one, Hunter Bryant, then Bryson Hopkins, then Adam Troutman, then Harrison Bryant, then Cheyenne O'Grady, then Jared Pinckney, then Cole Komet. I'm so glad PFF feels that way, because I'm watching Cole Komet and going, eh, not a fan. Just just not a fan. Although, again, not a big fan of anybody, but Bryson Hopkins would be the one that I, uh, if I had to get one of these guys, would probably be that guy. Anyways... Oh my goodness, how is it 422? I got down here. It's like 345 when I got down here. What is happening in the world? All right, speed round time. So again, 6'6", 262. He's obviously a pretty big dude. The bottom line they wrote doesn't really make any sense because 
It says, the name of the game at tight end nowadays is dynamic. If you can't create big plays, you're not moving the needle from the rest of the pack. Okay. Is Cole Komet dynamic? I'm assuming that's what you're implying. I just I wish you would say the words. Let's look at the expanded version, shall we? Komet has a nice all-around game and is still very young, but he's not quite the dynamic... <laughs> okay. Not quite the dynamic, sudden athlete that you draft highly at the position. He's a reliable chain mover, which is nice in any offense, but not necessarily worth a high draft pick. So that's that's what they're saying here. The name of the game is dynamic, and he's not dynamic. Which, I'll be, I mean, I, 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 I wish somebody would show me what makes Cole Komet a good receiver. Because if you watch him, after watching guys like Hunter Bryant, he looks so slow and lumbering. There's no real speed. I mean, he, I guess he's not slow. He ran a 4.7. I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I'm just I just don't get exactly what it is that he does that's so great, I guess. I don't know. Uh overall receiving grade 73, which is above average, 1.55 yards per outrun, 4.4% drop rate, which is uh all of those are better than average. The areas in which he was the worst, contested catch percentage, which is shocking for a tight end, any tight end, much less a giant massive muscled up tight end, 30% also, his run blocking grade, 56.9. His NFL comp is Jeff Howerman. And essentially, he's, he's kind of just a freight train. If, even if you look at his athletic, you know, his combine number, 4.7 is pretty decent speed. It's 80th percentile for a tight end. His 10-yard split, initial burst, 1.6 seconds, which is 91st percentile. That's all good. The problem is you try to get him moving sideways, laterally, any kind of agility whatsoever. His 20-yard shuttle was 51st percentile. His three-cone drill was a 7.44, which is 22nd percentile. So, I mean, he's a straight-line kind of guy, and he's strong. I mean, that's the thing. You, you picture him running in a straight line. He's not blazing fast, so linebackers are probably going to be able to keep up with him. And then you think, well, you could just throw it up to him. Really? With a contested catch rate of 30%? I don't know that that's the best thing. You're not going to be doing anything like, you know, throwing it to him short, shallow, whatever, and having him make some magic after the catch because, I mean, he's not agile at all. Maybe he can bowl some people over. I, I just, I'm not impressed. And I don't want Cole Komet only because, I mean, listen, if he falls really far, fine, but I'm not spending a second-round pick on Cole Komet. I'm just, I'm not doing it. If we look at PFF's number one overall tight end, Hunter Bryant, who was actually my second tight end, not my first. He's six foot two, two forty eight. So he's not as big, but he's more of a modern NFL tight end, right? He's more I guess he's not faster. He ran a four seven four, which isn't that fast. But he's and I hate to even use the word because automatically I don't like him, but let's just read their bottom line. It says Bryant is a tweener. And it says that's the way the game is going. Here here's my issue though. He's not really a tweener. Well, maybe tweener is the right word because tweener implies you're in between. And I would agree with that. He's not a tight end because he's too small. He's not a wide receiver because he's too slow and he has no agility. I mean, it's just the numbers. And I, I, I like the way he plays, but the numbers are pretty terrible. He ran a 4.74. No no wide receiver runs 4.74. Not any in the NFL, anyways. Not any good ones in the NFL. I, I can't speak definitively on that. He also had a 20-yard shuttle of 4.46, which is 40th percentile. It's just, it's not good. So the numbers are bad. But let's go ahead and read what, the, uh, what they had to say about him. It says, you could tell Bryant was something special way back as a freshman. When he was stealing targets from Drew Sample, he had an H-back body but kept getting lost behind linebackers and defense defenses had no answer. Unfortunately, his knee injury complications never let us see what he could be as a sophomore in 2018, but we finally got to see the real Bryant go off this past season. There's no questions about him as a receiver, rather whether the 6'2", 240-pounder will even be treated as a tight end by opponents. 
Before you write him off entirely as a blocker, I'll remind you that Delaney Walker, one of the best blocking tight ends of the past decade, came into the league at 6-1-240. Fair enough. Receiving grade, by the way, 82.5, very, very high. Yards per route run, 271. The issue, drop rate, 8.2%, not good. Contested catch rate, 21.4%. These are some soft tight ends, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. And a run block rate of 50. So the blocking's bad. The contested catchability is abysmal, and the drop rate is way too high. So, again, I like Hunter Bryant when you watch him, but I'm just everything I'm reading here is just really not impressive. And, again, are we talking about taking somebody at 30? No. And I, I don't think that's realistic anyways, but if you're really looking at this saying, is it possible they take one at 30? Is there one that would be worth taking at 30? I just, I don't see anything. Even when you look at the pros and cons, one of the pros says receiver-esque speed and athleticism. Actually, <laughs> that's not the case. It might look that way on, on, on tape, which is nice, but we saw the combine. He runs in the four sevens. That's not receiver-esque speed. It's not even receiver-esque. Esque, I'm assuming we're talking kind of ish, as in close to, kind of. No, not even that. Not even that. So, I mean, I, I'm not trying to just sit here and trash the guy because, again, I kind of like him. I mean, this is just not great. His NFL comparison, Gerald Everett. And for fun, let's look at Bryson Hopkins just because he was my favorite tight end. So Bryson is six foot four, two forty-five. The short thing on him, everyone wants speed nowadays, and Hopkins has it. Now we'll pause there. If we look, he has four six six speed. For a tight end, that is actually fast. He's no complete tight end by any means, but his speed is a weapon in and of itself that can create the all-important mismatches in the NFL. Just as an FYI, I did my rankings before the combine so i'm not just sitting here looking at combine scores and saying i'm going to put him at the highest i had no idea what he ran i just liked the he just he just looked fast first of all but the numbers are pretty solid however again although none of those are elite three cone 725 which is a 47th percentile so the agility still isn't there now i don't know how much that matters for a tight end but i'm sure it doesn't hurt to have pretty solid three cone even as a tight end as far as his well first of all evan ingram is his comp which kind of makes sense evan ingram is that I wouldn't even say tweener. He's the ath- smaller athletic tight end, and that's what a lot of these guys are, including Bryson Hopkins, 6'4", 245. I think I said that. Receiving grade is 70 overall, which is above average. Yards per route run, 1.83. Doesn't sound impressive, but it's well above average. Contested catch rate, finally, somebody above average, 55.6. Not unbelievably special, but comfortably above average. The issues with him is drop rate, 11.1. Man, these guys... That's that's really high. And then his run blocking grade, 41.7. I mean, it's just kind of weird to me. I mean, these guys are monsters with hands that are just the size of my head, and they're dropping all these passes. I mean, 11.1, that's over 10%. That's 1 in 10. That's, that's high, man, Mr. 10 and an eighth inch hands. So bottom line, I'm just not big on this tight end class at all. I'm not opposed to adding somebody at some point. But I really think it's Jace or Bust, man. Because even if we get some of the... I mean, if we spend a second-round pick on a tight end, which I don't want to do, I don't know that he's going to be better than Jace. I really don't know if if uh, Hunter Bryant or Bryson Hopkins are better prospects than Jace Sternberger was in the third round last year. I really don't. But anyways, we'll get off this tight end freight train, take a look at something a little bit more realistic, and that is offensive tackle. Now, the only tackles that I actually saw in the mock drafts, number one was Austin Jackson. One of the 27 had Austin Jackson going at 30. One had Ezra Cleveland at 30. As I've said before, I haven't gotten to Austin Jackson, I don't think, yet. Jordan, uh, Ezra Cleveland, I'm not a big fan of. 
I'm just, as I've said before, he just reminds me of Jason Spriggs. And I know there's athleticism, which sounds nice, but I'm just looking at watching him. He looks stiff. I mean, he's so tall. I mean, it's hard to be athletic because you're tall and you have to get low. And so it's this awkward thing. He's just so, like, straight up like a beanstalk. It's weird to even watch him. I mean, he's a monster, and if he, the, the power in his body is just ridiculous. But I'm thinking about long, lean, athletic pass rushers just dominating his entire being. Just makes me nervous. But if we look at the list here, they've got uh, Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, Josh Jones, and Mechie Becton as their top five. Um, Josh Jones is the one surprise here. He is not generally seen as a top five. Well, I shouldn't say he's not top five. He's not usually top four. It's usually pretty locked in. It's Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, and Mechie Becton. Those are the top five. And then Josh Jones is kind of later, right? The top four are going to be gone in the top 12 picks. And then Josh Jones is a possible option at 30, generally, is, is kind of how it's seen. But anyways, I want to go through the list and look at potentials at top 30. Kind of the same thing I did for wide receiver. No particular order, other than they have it in alphabetical order, so that's how we're going to go through it. Uh, Trey Adams is first. He's not an option at 30, but it's just kind of a sad story in general. This guy, two years ago, was considered a first-round prospect but got hurt. So he decided, I'm going to go back to school and uh, show everybody that the injury isn't a big deal. He got hurt again, so he went back to school again, and now he's coming out, and um, unfortunately for him, the athletic testing was about as bad as anybody has ever seen, and so now you got this guy who could have been an early first-round pick in 2017 who might legitimately go undrafted, I mean legitimately. With his massive injury history... Um, His 10-yard split was 27th percentile. His 40-yard dash was 6th percentile. He ran a 5.6. His vert was a 24.5-inch vert, 14th percentile. His broad jump was 7 feet 8 inches, 5th percentile. That, I mean, it's just it's just a sad, sad thing, and I just feel bad for him. So, anyways, that's all I wanted to say about that. Uh, Mackie Becton, which, no, that's not how you say his name, but that's how I say his name. Feel free to join in if you like. It's fun to say. He's going to be long gone. So the first one in alphabetical order that is potential at 30 is Mr. Ezra Cleveland, offensive tackle with Boise State, six foot six, 311 pounds. Their bottom line on him, Cleveland has the feet of an NFL tackle and doesn't have to go too far from a technical standpoint either. If his play strength continues to develop, he'll be a quality starter in this league. So as I've said with him, he makes me ner- First of all, anybody that's, you know, Boise State, you really need to try hard to find him going up against quality play. And you can find it, but it's just, it scares me. Because the competition level is just generally not very good. But he's so inconsistent, and I, I'm not saying this from a scouting perspective, just from me watching him. From play to play, I'll watch him and just feel really uncomfortable. Even if he does a good job, the way he moves makes me uncomfortable. And then other times, especially against the run. I mean, when he's down blocking somebody that's not even expecting, he just annihilates people. So I, I go back and forth, but overall, I'm, I'm, I prefer consistency with tackles because you have to win every single time. If you give a one sack in a game... People are mad at you. This isn't something where you can be good like 70% of the time. I'm sorry, that's not how that works. When you're going up against Khalil Mack and he's coming 30 times after your quarterback, you can't give up a third. You can't give up 10 sacks. That's not okay. You have to be basically perfect and against some of the best in the league. So inconsistency, very, I mean, and I'm not even saying that that's what he is. I'm just saying when I watch him, about half the time I really like him, half the time it's like, oh, no way. No, thank you, never. Uh, Here's their longer 
thing about him. While the competition level that Cleveland faced at Boise State wasn't great, he was asked to pass protect on an island a lot in their scheme over the past three years. Those one-on-one reps are still invaluable for a prospect when projecting to the NFL, and the more the better. He's not a power player by any means, but if you're looking for dominant reps on tape, you might want to grab a Snickers. He has more than enough of a base to get uh, by though early on. I feel like that's not a sentence, but I'll leave that be. I probably just can't read. NFL comp Matt Khalil. His grades are all above average. Uh, they got five of them here. His run blocking grade was a 78, which is solid. And 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 listen, as far as a a guy that I feel like the Packers would like, good run blocker, according to the grades here, and I never really saw a bad run blocker when I watched. Athletic, from a purely, you know, combine statistic or perspective, whatever. Athletic. He just fits the mold of what I feel like Matt LaFleur would be interested in. So, you know, I'm bracing myself for an Ezra Cleveland pick at third uh pass blocking grade 82 well above average that's a very good grade they also have zone and gap blocking as a zone blocker 76 gap blocker 66 and then true pass sets 74.6 i'm guessing those are just i don't don't know i don't know what's the difference between that and a pass we'll just ignore that one because i don't know what that means um of his 914 reps every single one of them was at left tackle i know it feels like an easy thing to go from left to right but it's not so that would be something you'd have to figure out can he play right tackle Generally, it seemed to be easier to go from left to right. And I don't think anybody can't do it, but it is kind of... There was a Packers... I forget who it was. It might have been Balaga who was saying it's kind of like trying to trying to bat, bat left-handed or something. It's not easy. But looking at his uh, incredible combine performance, 6'6", 3'11", 33.4-ish inch arm. one seven. So we'll just do percentiles because it's easier. 93rd percentile for 10-yard split, 96th percentile for 20-yard shuttle, 40-yard dash, 493, because that's what most people know, 97th percentile. His vert was 75th percentile, broad was 88th percentile, bench was 90th percentile. So just, I mean, athletically, he's got everything that you want. He makes me nervous, but there you go. And and since everything's positive and I'm not a big fan, let's let's read some of his cons, because I feel like it. Uh, Weak punch, anyone with some juice slipped by them. That's not great. Low competition level. Thin frame that's lacking strength you'd like in the lower half. Uh, Quick to flip hips in angle sets leaves him susceptible to inside moves. So there you go. Uh, Next, I want to look at Austin Jackson. PFF sees him as a third-round pick. However, um, I've got him on my consensus board at 49th overall, so definitely in play at 30. 6'5", 322 pounds. The bottom line, Jackson is a project for the position not only technically but physically. He's not yet 21 years old, which is a massive benefit. There's reason to believe he will continue to improve both, but to what degree? So he's a project, according to PFF. Expanding on that, the hype surrounding Jackson is difficult for us to get on board with for a number of reasons. While he has the length and quicks for an NFL tackle, he's yet to show the consistency or physicality of one. He's got taken to task against any talented edge rusher he faced and still needs to add considerable play strength. While the base traits are there, there's a lot that needs to improve upon simply seeing an NFL field. That's a late day two guy for us at best. NFL comp Bobby Massey. So he's also been a left tackle for his entire career. 926 snaps all at left tackle. Athletically, not bad. 93rd percentile, 10-yard split. Uh, His 507 40-yard dash is 88th percentile, which is not bad. 84th percentile in the vert. Broad jump, 96th percentile. And again, I know a lot of people are probably thinking, I prefer RAS, right? It's it's more relative than that. It is, but it's kind of not. And I've, I've made this point before. There, there's just kind of a, you're just kind of looking for a number, right? If, if I said I want a, a wide receiver that can run past corners, that's a static number. I can't say, well, he's, he runs a 4-4-9. Four, four, 
It's like, okay, well, that's not fast enough to run past corner. No, but you don't understand. He's 6'5", 230. That, I'm sorry, that doesn't change, that doesn't change the equation. Speed is, is status. Speed is speed, man. You don't get, become magically fast. There's not a warped universe where corners get slower when I'm taller. I don't know what you're trying to prove to me here. So RAS is, is cool to show kind of freakishness. Right, based on how big you are, what you should be, and you're better than that based on how big you are. But again, at the end of the day, speed is speed, explosiveness is explosiveness, it all just is what it is, and weight is a separate metric. These are all individual metrics. So, anyways, he's got plenty of athleticism, really not a concern. If you look at his grades, his run blocking grade shockingly was above average. It's a 67.6, which just goes to show that college is no different. Run blocking is not something anybody cares about. The fact that he's an average run blocker, but is literally above average. Um, his pass blocking grade, 78.4. His zone blocking, 67. Gap blocking, 59. All of which are above average. True pass sets, in case you know what they're talking about, 71.2. That brings us to Mr. Josh Jones. Pretty popular pick, actually, for the Packers at 30. That's kind of where he seems to, to be slotted. Six foot five, 319 pounds, Houston offensive tackle. 635 snaps, every single one of them at left tackle. His NFL comp, Jawan James. PFF has him as their fourth overall tackle. Again, they have him way higher than anybody else. The, the fact that he is number four on this list is, is insane. Um, they have him actually number 14 overall on their big board. So this is PFF's baby. Every once in a while you get... Because PFF has a weird board. It's because they have a very specific system that they stick to. So it's not going to be like a lot... You know, a lot of these media guys, let's just be completely honest... There's groupthink. And I can see that especially because of the, the what I do. If you look at, for example, the Draft Network, they all have their own individual boards, and they almost look identical to each other. I think they feel like they're being controversial. You know, they like, oh, you have him sixth, I have him ninth. Ooh, really? So you're really low on him then, huh? They all have, like, the exact same board with a couple variations compared to other people who have wildly different boards. So there's there's just a groupthink mentality within for example, organizations, but then even in a community, right? You see everybody has this tight end real high, and I even did that, right? If, if I'm looking, I don't really get it, but okay, I'll bump him up a little bit because it's, you know, I'm, as far as a tiebreaker, I'll put him at the top because apparently everybody likes him. Rather than just saying, if, if I never knew anything, where would I put him? He'd be way down. Now, granted, I wasn't as bad as a lot of places. I got CD Lamb as like my wide receiver nine because I still just don't get it. Even after I watched like four games and people are like, oh, you got to watch him against this team. I have not seen him do one impressive thing ever. I, I don't want to go down a CD Lamb thing, but I, you know, if you run in a straight line and people struggle to tackle you, that's cool. But I, I just, I don't see that as anything special. Also, he's very good at pushing off and, and catching passes, which I guess is is good. Anyways, Josh Jones. I even watched, <laughs> I watched two breakdowns in which there were, there were uh, you know, Brett Coleman and, uh, what's the other guy, Matt Waldman. They both did C.D. Lamb breakdowns, trying to show how great the guy, I think Brett Coleman, I'm not sure. I watched both of them. I still didn't see anything special. I just I just must have a very big blind spot for whatever his, his strength is. I just cannot see it. Anyways, Josh Jones, here we go. I can do this, I promise you. One thing I forgot to do with the other guys, and this is something else that this draft guide has, uh, some of his stats. In three years, he has given up four sacks, four hits, and 19 hurries. In three years. Uh, in his senior season, and, and if you read the bottom line here, it says, Jones's dominant senior season has pushed him all the way up to the day one conversation. 
he's got the tools and performance to be a starting NFL tackle for a long time. So in 2019, his overall grade was a 93.2. This is coming off of two years in which he was in the 70s, which is good, but not elite. Something else to keep in mind. I've mentioned this several times, but if you're new here, PFF does not adjust for competition. He plays for Houston. So, you know... If he were to play for Alabama, I doubt he gets a 93.2 overall grade, but it is what it is. But again, 93.2, he played 635 snaps, 325 of them were pass blocking, one sack and three hurries is all he gave up this entire year. Expanding. They wrote, when someone says a prospect is raw, that can mean a number of different things. To me, it means that his technique is not up to snuff for what it needs to be in the NFL for a number of key areas. From that perspective, Jones certainly qualifies as raw. On the other hand, people sometimes use raw as a synonym for not currently good at football. From that perspective, Jones is in no way raw. I love the raw prospects like Jones who can improve a lot technically but are still dominating on the football field regardless. When he finally gets some stable NFL coaching, look out. In other words, that's just another way of saying he has a very high ceiling, right? He's, he's a good enough player, but he's got the tools to be an elite player. If we look at the individual grades, run blocking 92.7, pass blocking 89.2, zone grade 90.1, gap grade 91.1, true pass sets, whatever that is, 81.9. So basically elite across the board with the exception of true pass sets, which is something they made up and doesn't even exist. Uh, strengths and weaknesses, some of the very best independent hand usage in the class, varies punching and timing, very comfortable playing in the move, on the move or in space, natural athlete. Now I'm excited to watch him. I haven't seen him yet. Very comfortable playing on the move or in space. I already read that. Fine, we're going to negatives. That's what you get for messing me up. Tendency to play high in the run game, carries hands low in pass sets and leaves his chest open. Not a ton of true pass sets in Houston. That's not a real thing. Moving on. Oh, wait, combine. Overall, pretty underwhelming. The only thing that was somewhat impressive is the broad jump, 9 foot, 1 inch, 81st percentile. Everything else... Pretty average, 56 percentile, 56, 57, 68. His 40 time, because that's what people care about, 527. Uh, what they wrote about it, basically, he's not going to get the freak tag, but he also doesn't have any red flags, and that's good enough. Fair enough. The one guy that I've said right now that I really like, and again, I haven't seen the top guys yet. I'm working my way from the bottom up, but Lucas Nyang. Now, they have him as a third-round prospect. I think they can go pound sand. Consensus board has him kind of as a second round prospect, but I don't care. I'm gonna bump him up anyways because I like him. Six foot seven, three hundred and twenty-eight pounds. He has played every single one of his three hundred and seventy-eight snaps at right tackle, which is not a bad thing for the Packers. He didn't do anything in the combine, so we don't know. Here is what they one of the notes that they put on Lucas Niang. He averaged nine point six yards per attempt, earned a ninety one point one passing grade, and looked like the favorite to be the number one overall pick heading into the twenty eighteen season. Unfortunately, he never quite lived up to that billing and took a significant backslide in twenty eighteen. It was then that he developed his reputation for coming up small in big games as he earned grades of thirty point one against Arizona and fifty nine point two against Arizona State. His pass blocking grade eighty four point eight, which is solid. Everything's above average with the exception of his gap grade which is fine because that's not generally how the Packers are going to be blocking they're mostly going to be zone blocking his zone blocking grade 75.3 run blocking 71.8 he's a better pass blocker than run blocker which is going to boost you up if you're a great run blocker and a mediocre pass blocker you're going to be a later round pick because nobody cares and again as they mentioned in 2018 his overall grade was 83.5 in 2019 he dropped down to 79.5 but still in three years three years And we're talking 632 snaps in 2017, 885 in 2018, 378 in 2019. You know how many sacks he gave up in, you know, his 
nearly 2,000 snaps? Zero. Not a single sack in three years. 2019, zero sacks, one hit, five hurries, that's it. So, you guys can talk all you want. I like him. NFL player comp, Raven Clark, whoever that is. And then finally, I want to talk about Mr. Prince Tega Wanogo. Uh, another guy that probably is going to be more realistic as a second-round pick than a first-round pick, but why not talk about it anyway? Because, you know, might be taking a tackle in the second round. Uh, Prince Tega, six foot seven, three oh five. So, s- talk about a beanstalk. Dude is just straight up. He's another guy that took a step back in 2019. 2018, 84 overall grade. 2019, 77 overall grade. But still, 830 snaps, zero sacks, three hits, 11 hurries. Played all of his 760 snaps at uh, left tackle. The little comment they wrote about him, we had expected Tega Wanogo to take the next step this season to elite tackle play, but it never happened. His below average foot speed got exposed too often for us to take him highly. That alone is concerning. Don't really have his combine numbers, so that makes it a little bit difficult, but we don't have good numbers, so it's hard to kind of refute that, and then we that just means we have to be concerned, I guess. So here's some more negative kind of expanding on what they had said there. It was in kind of kind of incredible how far Tega Wanogo had come from never having played offensive line to holding up tackle in the SEC in the span of a few years. While he's never been the most athletic tackle, one doesn't necessarily have to be effective in pass protection in the NFL. Doesn't necessarily have to be to be effective in pass protection in the NFL. This season, though, we saw that lack of athleticism get exposed more and more. He got demolished by Tulane of all schools. If that's happening in college, Lord knows it's only going to happen more in the NFL. To me, that, I mean, just that makes him nearly undraftable. As far as, I mean, maybe in the fifth round. You know, we, Packers always pick those guys up, you know, like Murphy. What was he? Uh, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick? Kyle Murphy? Maybe something like that. I'm not taking him in the first three rounds. A guy that I know is going to get lit up by athletic pass rushers no i mean maybe they're just wrong i don't know but that sounds ugly his run blocking grade 74.8 pass blocking 76.3 for those that don't know 70s is good zone grade 74 gap 61 still above average true pass set 65 still above average so the i mean the exciting thing is these are the second tier tackles the, the, i mean with the exception maybe of josh jones i think he's still a second tier tackle but pff just doesn't agree pretty much a consensus though that he's in that second tier later first early second conversation. And so, you know, based on, again, the consensus board, we're looking at, you know, Josh Jones is the closest to about 30. Austin Jackson, unless there's some kind of a slide, that's kind of what we're looking at. I know a lot of people really like Ezra Cleveland, and maybe, and if we're going to say Ezra Cleveland, I can add a bunch more tackles. According to where he is on the consensus board, this is consensus from around the, the interwebs, Ezra Cleveland is 83rd which is to say he's a third-round option. So if he's an option, we got to add Isaiah Wilson. we got to add Lucas Nyang. There's, there's quite a few names that could go there. And again, I haven't gone through all of them. The only one that I've liked as far as I've gotten is Lucas Nyang. But anyways, unfortunately, we have to stop there. I'd like to continue on. But it's also kind of a good spot because I don't think we're going to do interior offensive line because I don't think that's going to happen at 30. Maybe we'll look at one guy, but then uh, tomorrow we'll, we'll start on defense. Hopefully I can get an earlier start. And we can either finish or at least get close to finishing tomorrow. But again, this is our little uh, look at what PFF has to say about these early potential 30 overall draft picks. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.